Your time is running short, my friend. Before the year comes to an end, and you are left with snow and rust, your training funds all turn to dust. You know not how you should proceed to understand the market's need. Foundations, focus, build and price. Market, launch, more than suffice. The skills and tools you need the most are provided by your humble host. The answers sought are in your palm at Pragmatic Institute. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Pragmatic Institute and your host for this episode. And today we are joined by Neil Watkins, Chief Product Officer of BAE Systems Applied Intelligence. We're going to do one of my favorite segments, which is really digging into customers and hearing their journey. Um, so Neil, tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to BAE Systems and the journey that you've been going on. Hey, Rebecca. How you doing? Excellent. Um, so my journey really uh, started uh, some 20 plus years back, uh, kind of as I kind of went out in software development, started developing code on C uh, and on VMS machines on DCL language. And from there, I was fortunate enough to be able to rotate and flip between different product orientated roles uh, across software companies uh, from pre-sales to consultancy to support. Uh, to product management, product marketing, um, and then into technical leadership roles. Um, and that really kind of led me on my journey to, I guess, having exposure to both uh, customers uh, in a variety of different roles, both in a positive and a not-so-positive sense, if you think about pre-sales all the way through to product support. Um, and it also gave me exposure to both um, kind of core products as well as new nascent products as they were either released or developed out to the market. So it gave me a real 360-degree view of uh, products and product functions. So when did you join BAE Systems? So I joined BA Systems about uh, five years ago, and um, it really gave me the opportunity to take some of the skills and experiences I'd learned from Silicon Valley companies. Uh, and pragmatic marketing happened to be one of those uh, kind of capabilities and frameworks that we used uh, with US companies and bring that better bear for a, a FTSE listed UK organization and really help them focus around kind of the key market categories of cybersecurity and fighting financial crime uh, with its customers and kind of with its partners. So when you joined five years ago, um, I um, well, let's start, take a step back first. So when you say that, that you kind of had products for this division, as we know from talking to people, what role the product plays, the product team plays, what responsibilities they handle varies a great deal. So what, in terms of the product lifestyle, is your team focused on? Yeah, so I'm really fortunate that I have end-to-end uh, -end responsibility of products from uh, incubation all the way through to end of life. 
and I look across kind of strategy, uh, portfolio investments, and um, kind of product delivery, as well as future innovation and incubation of new products and new ventures. Uh, so I get a, a great kind of perspective uh, across lots of different stakeholders, both internally and externally, that all have a unique point of view uh, around the market problem and the solution that we deliver. So all horizons, really, in terms of, of new and old, that's great. Um, and then, so, okay, so when you started five years ago, what was the state of product? Uh, the state of product was it, it didn't really exist um, as a product function. Um, it had organically grown through our projects and programs and delivering solutions to customers. And it started to kind of think about how do we deliver these solutions to kind of multiple customers? So how do we deliver it to more than one customer? And it was starting to think about how do, how do, we, how do, how do we recreate repeatable solutions that we can deliver at scale. And I think for me, when I joined, that was really the beginning of the product journey. Um, and that's really where we kicked off the engagement with Pragmatic. Great. Okay. So then if you kicked off the engagement with Pragmatic, which we always love to hear, what was it that drove that piece? Why was that an important part after the assessment? Yeah, the strategic context back then was we didn't have a consistent way of working uh, we didn't have clearly defined processes. Um, we didn't have clear job roles. Um, we had different languages, and we had people at different levels of maturity in terms of skill and capability. And what we really wanted to do is really bring the product function and the product organization all onto the same page and actually kind of give them a way of working that really focused on driving uh, the right inputs to a core process that then drives the right outputs that then hopefully creates uh, products that customers love. So when you say there wasn't clear roles uh, and understanding, and that's a very um, common thing that we hear, was that true internally within the product people on the team themselves as well as externally? And how did you, if that was the case, how did you share that information out with the rest of the org? Yeah, what was uh, fascinating joining uh, BA Systems in the UK um, is just kind of see what different um, roles individuals had came from that ended up in a product function. Hmm. And we had people that came through as business analysts, they came through as project managers, then program managers, program directors. Uh, we had some people on BD, some people on marketing, a real diverse set of individuals. But nobody really came up through the ranks of product management, which is different from my experiences with Silicon Valley companies where you get people that actually pursue product management early on in their career all the way through. So kind of uh, this product function really didn't have the product DNA of a mature, established product organization, but it had a lot of passionate individuals that really wanted to identify the right market problems to go solve and actually find a differentiated way to solve them for customers and make sure that that represented a customer group that we could then go and sell at scale. Um, so I think kind of this whole kind of area of jobs and job roles really evolved um, as we took on the pragmatic framework. 
and people started to get a vocabulary they could put around the tasks they were performing, which they kind of felt like they didn't have in the past because they were grounded in a different discipline. And I think that vocabulary, having a vocabulary that they all share is so important, um, particularly when they come from different backgrounds, but it's part of that setting expectations jointly um, and using words that mean the same thing to each other so that if I say, I'm going to work on requirements, you and I have the same view of what that looks like. That's 100% correct. And one of my favorite quotes uh, from one of my product managers kind of five years ago was, if somebody had shown me this framework previously, I wouldn't have have to have made up my job role and my job description. And <laughs> they almost felt like their job had been laid out for them. Actually, it's clear now what I should be doing every week, as opposed to trying to work out how do I go and build a product uh, for customers? So that was really enlightening for me. And it really uh, amplified the value of bringing a consistent language uh, vocabulary and framework to bear for a cross-functional organization that was working both within individual products, but was also working across product lines and across a portfolio where we were making both kind of broader investment decisions as well as kind of uh, in-product investment decisions. So it sounds like, well, you didn't have a lot of experienced people in the role. You had a lot of passionate people, and that's always strong. How was the transition? When you started to bring in the, the training and the framework and the common language for them, what are, what are some of the early wins that you saw and maybe some of the obstacles that took a little bit longer? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, um, and the early wins really revolved around some of the templates and artifacts uh, that kind of came through the pragmatic framework. So like the solution positioning document and like really being clear on kind of market problems uh, to personas and then really being clear on kind of what the uh, product architectures are. And I think all of these different, uh, well, small kind of micro items really helped to create some big wins in, in the organization because it brought the methodology and framework to life, but not for the sake of bringing the framework to life it brought it to life in the context of the products we were building for our customers. And I think that was really some of the early wins. And what we then found is it kind of then became infectious across other functions in the organization, which meant that the marketing team, when they were building web content and campaigns uh, and the sales team, when they were building their sales decks and doing sales enablement, they could leverage kind of that single kind of page of truth around kind of what the problem what the problems are what the product does and what we should really be leaning into as the differentiated for the capability into which buyer and then user personas so it almost became kind of a, a set of kind of core capabilities that then kind of evolved into different functional outputs depending on the functional group um, so I think that was some of the some of the quick wins we saw when we started rolling out Pragmatic uh, the first time round. Great. And what about some of the things that were maybe more of a hurdle than you expected? There's always some, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. We definitely have our scars and there's definitely a few hurdles that we both uh, jumped over and fell into. So I think um, some of the biggest hurdles that we had initially was maybe not being cross-functional enough. Hmm. And whilst we didn't keep Pragmatic a secret, um, 
we focused the training on a core group of about 40, 50 individuals that were really product management, product marketing, and product owners. And what we found is that there was a broader group kind of beyond those job roles that really got a lot of value from understanding the methodology, the approach, why we were making certain decisions, why we were using a certain language. There was a, a, there was a real cross-functional piece that I think we missed out on early on, and I think we could have done a better job at being more inclusive to those audiences um, kind of as we rolled out the framework the first time around. I think that's a great point. Product touches so many of the other departments that making sure they also uh, understand is key. So if you discovered that the first time, how did you address that sort of as you've continued down the process? Yeah, no, great question. And and I think the, the second time we rolled out Pragmatic, again, relates to another one of the uh, the hurdles that we had to overcome, which was as employees over kind of a probably an 18 to 24 month window moved between job roles internally um, and as we added new employees to the team i don't think we did a good enough job at orientating individuals to the to both the pragmatic framework as well as how we applied the pragmatic framework in ba systems and it was really important the second time around that we learn from the mistakes of those first two hurdles. So the second time around when we rolled it out, probably to another group of about 50 people, um, we included people from finance, uh, people from marketing, uh, people from engineering, uh, a few people from pre-sales. We were really inclusive to, I guess, the kind of key families and friends of the product organization that had some level of interaction with what we were doing, where it was enough interaction that it was meaningful for their role to understand the methodology, the approach, and how to apply it. So that was really important for us. Um, the second piece was we actually added our own day to the end of the session. So normally when you follow a pragmatic kind of, you can, you can do a, a free uh, a free day session with the free kind of courses back to back. Um, we actually added a fourth day uh, for our for ourselves, which was, okay, you've now learned all this great stuff. Now, how do you apply it in the world that we operate in? How do you apply it to our processes, uh, our kind of cadence and calendar, and the key deliverables that we have across our organization based on what we need to deliver, and also how we govern our business and govern our function? And I think that really brought it to life uh, for the team. And I think what was really important for me is we used members of the team that had, had already been executing against the methodology to actually share their examples to illustrate how they were using it and to really bring kind of the cross-functional team along of this is how it works. And I think that's really where the power came from. Oh, I love that idea of having um, both of having a fourth data sort of translate it into your environment and kind of create that next step action plan, but also to have internal champions that almost serve as, uh, gosh, if you think about a university set up a, a teacher's assistant who's going to show them what they've done and help them along the way as well, I think is, is a great add to the program. Yeah, so we, we think about them as change agents and product advocates. And these are individuals that kind of go out into the business and they're the ones that really advocate for what we do and how we do it. 
and really try and get the rest of the organization to really kind of embrace the approach and methodology. And I remember probably kind of six, 12 months back, I went out and did a survey of the product function. And kind of one of the key things that came back is kind of we, we need your help at a leadership level to make sure all of the managers and leaders across the business, regardless of their job role, really understand the approach. They understand why we're doing it. They understand the sort of information we're looking for so they can help connect us to customers and the market and to their areas of business so we can help them help themselves. That's great. So in these uh, five years, and of course, as, you, as you've changed the product organization, as you've, as you've become sort of adopted the methodology and the framework, are there some wins in the market that you think that you can really kind of point back to this approach? Yeah, I think there's a couple of uh, great wins on both our mature products uh, as well as uh, related to some of our new ventures that we've been developing um, within the business. And I think kind of on the new product side, uh, we had the team lead a major product launch for one of our um, financial crime uh, prevention products, NetReveal. Um, earlier on this year, around the April timeframe, uh, we did a big major uh, product launch at ACAMS over in um, Hollywood um, in Florida. And we really kind of, that was really the culmination of probably 18 months worth of work of actually trying to make sure we were clear on the key market problems, the personas, how the market was changing in terms of regulations and requirements, and how we then brought that to bear through a kind of next generation product and platform. So that was really kind of a great piece of work and the team have been driving that out to the install base and to new customers uh, since the launch. So that's really kind of not only doing incremental improvements, but really a major shift in platform and technology, but also a shift in the way that we solve the problem for customers around kind of how do you detect, uh, investigate, and then kind of escalate some form of suspicious activity that relates to financial crimes, whether it's money laundering, whether it's fraud, whether it's a sanctions violation, whatever that might be, they're the type of problems we really focus our attention on. So that was really great on kind of the, the core mature side of the business. Um, the second example really uh, relates to our futures uh, team and our innovation function. And our futures team really works on kind of creating new concepts that we can go and test in the market. And as we test them and as we get feedback from customers and early adopters, we then create business cases and business canvases that we then use to actually go and drive a seed investment that we then use to stand up a prototype to work with customers to again get to a product to a point of sale of either organic investment or minority stake spin-out or some form of JV. And last year, we did our first minority stake spin-out uh, with a product called Edwin Secure, uh, which is based out of uh, New York, kind of working with the pre-hype team. Uh, and that's now going great guns. We're getting its first customers on board on a live platform. Uh, and also, they're looking to go and pursue their, their first round of uh, external funding. Uh, we also had another... Uh, venture, and this time an internal organic venture that we drove called SOC OS, so SOC Operating System, that really deals with this whole concept of uh, alert overload and alert fatigue. 
And how do you make sure you get the right security alert in the hands of the investigators to go and stop the threat, as opposed to just wade through the traffic of false positive signals? And again, we're, we're now just um, onboarding our first 10 customers, and we hope to go and raise external money uh, against this in the next quarter to go and stand this up as a separate venture out in the market. So I think there are two very distinct examples that have really leveraged the discipline, the foundation, and the ideas that make up the premise of Pragmatic. Wow. Well, congratulations. Those are, those are great successes, and I think great examples. I'm glad you shared them. No, great. And like the, the congratulations is really for the team, the product team that works so hard on building these capabilities every day. And they're so passionate about the mission. They're so passionate about their nejitos and being in the market with customers. And the key thing that we emphasize is kind of listen with your two ears and don't kind of overspeak with your mouth and read between the lines to get to the customer jobs, get to the market problem, and then bring it to life with solutions in the product roadmap and releases. Awesome. All right. So we, this was great. And you shared a lot of stuff. If you were talking to uh, a fellow product leader at another company and you could kind of distill all five, <laughs> all the years of learning down to maybe one or two, two things that you kind of wish you'd known that you might give them as advice on their journey. Oh, that's a tough question. So um, I think the advice I would give them would be when you're thinking about uh, product management and a product methodology, uh, make sure you tailor it and personalize it for the market category that you're pursuing and the maturity of your product line and your product organization. And don't try and make kind of a one-size-fits-all approach because for me, it's really about how you apply these capabilities as opposed to how do you just follow a kind of a, a two-dimensional methodology. So I think that would be the first learning. Um, the second one would be, would be around how do you ensure that you keep the skills and the capabilities alive and you continue to nurture them and foster them on an ongoing basis? And I think kind of where we've got to in the past is we've kind of done it in iterations. But where it needs to move to is it needs to be done in fluid motion and it needs to be done kind of uh, every day as part of every interaction. And we need to make sure we bring everyone along. So I think kind of that whole area of nurturing, making sure it's fluid with the ways we work and making sure it's inclusive to the, the whole organization would really be key for me. Um, and then the last piece is, and, it's, and one of the most important pieces, which is around make sure that you get kind of relevant, unfiltered feedback from customers that you can translate to the market so you can use that to help you steer the ship and also work out what direction to take next. Uh, and I'm a big believer of staying kind of relevant, being in the field and being in the market, and to use that sharpness to help you make decisions and help you steer the ship kind of in the right way. That is great advice. Uh, and I'm so excited that you shared your product story. I'm so excited you shared your kind of pragmatic story with us. And I think that our listeners um, 
hopefully they learned a lot, both that they're not alone with some of these struggles and some great advice from someone who's been through. So I really appreciate having you on, Neil. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. That's my pleasure. And if anyone wants to follow up, then you can find me online on social media. Uh, more than happy to kind of share some of the learnings. And uh, I kind of hope everyone gets as much value out of Pragmatic as I have and also as the team have. So, Rebecca, thank you for having me on the podcast. All right. Thank you, Neil. And thank you, everyone, for listening. That does it for today's episode. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. <laughs>